I, was, I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp, and while I was down there doing Thor, they hadn't started shooting yet, and they had to do Stan Lee's cameo. So I'm watching it. I'd forgotten about it. I'm watching Ant-Man and the Wasp. I go, hey, I worked on Ant-Man and the Wasp because I did oh, nice. his scene. Where Have you seen it? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he gets in the car and says the 60s were tough. Yeah, yeah. And I did that. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Oki Show Show. Happy New Year! All of the holidays are finally over! <sighs> I'm ready for life to just return back to normal. The holidays are great and all. Love visiting family and so on and whatnot. But, not gonna lie, it gets a little exhausting near the end there. And I'm glad that we all made it. We've all survived. It is now 2019. Sweet mother of Moses. It is the, it's the last year of the teens. You realize that this century is now almost no longer a teenager. It's almost in its 20s, which is crazy because that means that the 2000s can drink pretty soon, which is terrifying. So today's episode is brought to you by all of our supporters over at patreon.com slash show. If you like what you hear and you'd like to be a part of what we are doing here, then you can go over to patreon.com slash show and become a patron. What do you get if you become a patron, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. You get episodes a full five days early, first of all. Yeah, that's right. You get, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. You get access to a super-secret podcast that comes out every once in a while with uh, behind-the-scenes news and all sorts of goodies. So if you would like that and more, go over to patreon.com slash show and become a patron today. Also, be sure to leave us a review because that helps us with our rankings. If you have not left us a review on iTunes, or I'm not sure if it works that way on Google Play and all that stuff, but pretty much check. And if you can leave a review, you should leave us a review. A review that sounds something to the tune of, Dear Sweet God, this is the best podcast I have ever heard in my whole entire life. And if you do not have this podcast in your life as well, then what kind of life are you leading? That's the kind of reviews I expect. Now hop to, hop to. All right. So today we're talking to this guy is, it's amazing that I've gotten the chance to work with him over the years. His name is Steve Mathis and he is a gaffer. And we talk a little bit about what exactly a gaffer does. But for the most part, Steve lives in Oklahoma, but he works in big time Hollywood. He's worked on a a billion, name a movie, name one. He's been on that movie. Back to the Future, freaking Thor Ragnarok. Black Panther, all sorts of stuff. It's like, as the guy is telling us his life story, it's just my jaws on the floor half the time. So we're going to get right into it. So enjoy this conversation with Mr. Steve Mathis. Sean, welcome to the podcast that explores the Heartlands Entertainment Industries. I'm Brian. I'm Nicholas. <laughs> You're not Neil, and you're not Kelly. I am neither. Yeah. But I am a co-host. Special co-host today. Mm -hmm. Um, And today we're going to be talking to Mr. Steve Mathis here, who is a gaffer, electrician extraordinaire for name it, he's been on it. We're going to get to him in just a second, but first I'm going to check in with Neil, with, uh, I almost called you Neil. You almost called me Neil. Like, Jeez, do you I want did... him here? Like, I can pretend to be Kelly, I can pretend to be Neil. He just I has such a big personality. Want. Right, yeah. He's a, you know, hard shoes to replace. It's And I'm wearing his shoes. 
you know, these are. Did you he, kill him? Is I, that what got you here? Shh, 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 shh. He had a family emergency. Jeez, you got That's Kelly, why he's, you know, to get pregnant. Yeah, you got I, Neil I'm, dead. I'm, I manipulated uh, Kelly and her <laughs> husband to have another baby. Yeah, I, you're just a puppeteer, I sent a master the, puppeteer. I sent in the pheromones while they were watching Netflix one night. Yeah, all to get like, to right here. Yeah, this is all part of your plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the diabolical scheme. Eventually, Nick here is going to be sitting in my seat. I don't know what and, you're talking about diabolical. I think it's pretty friendly. You know, I'm just hanging out. Yeah, right. Yeah, just hanging out, man. Slowly but surely, he shall overtake the Oki Show. The Oki Show show, and then re- rename it into the the Oki Nick Show. Yeah, the Oki Nick Show or the Oki Nick Zabo. <laughs> the Oki Nick Zabo Show. The Zabo 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 Show. Spiraling out. Of Makes control. about as much sense. Just kidding. So today we're talking to Mr. Steve Mathis here, um, which Nick, have you ever met Steve before? I have not. I think I just shook his hand now for the second time. Yeah. Nick, Steve, Steve, (laughs) Nick. And Steve, you've been, uh, good Lord. I, you know, I was looking through, I always uh, do the IMDb stocking for all of our guests (laughs) before they come on. And, you know, most of the time there's like one or two movies that's just like, oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've actually, I've heard of that movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... uh, (laughs) Steve Bath is here. <laughs> He's been the gaffer for it. This is not everything, but this is just the highlights. You've been the gaffer for Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, Power Rangers, Terminator Genesis, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, X-Men Origins Wolverine, Moulin Rouge, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Rocketeer, Glory, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Teen Wolf, Back to the Future, and that's just a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of them. You left but, out the squeakquel. Then the squeakle and Alvin and the Chipmunks, your highest accolade. It is. The squeakle. The highest score on the Rotten Tomatoes right there, the squeakle. There you go. As I was looking at the, I was looking at the IMDb too, and I was just looking at like, for some reason I was just like, yeah, this is fake. There's no way he's been on all these movies. There's no, I, I don't know. I don't know why it's my a, brain just could not comprehend it. It's an first. elaborate ploy. Yeah. yeah. Again, see everyone. 40 years. That's right. Yeah. So this <laughs> has been very internet, elaborate. I've been laying these Playing the long yeah. game, yeah. the slow takeover, <laughs> so of this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Nick me, and I, this is this is your last show. Oh bro. man, me and Steve, Gosh. we've only shook hands twice, but we've been concocting for forty years. It's, this is what happens when you get two diabolical schemers in a room together. Diabolical, you know, the show Brian just gets. Who? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, today we're just going to be listening to Steve tell some fun stories about you know all these different movies and stuff that you've been on. Uh, you. You're one of my favorite people to work with. We've worked with, worked together a couple times, but I love just listening to your your set stories because something applies to every scenario. It seems like. <laughs> but before we get into that, I'm just curious, and I'm sure uh, the listeners are curious too. Why are you living in Oklahoma? Well, I grew up here and went to John Marshall when it was in Britain, and wanted to work in movies. So I used to go either to the theater that. It's no longer there in downtown Edmond or the Ritz Theater, which was on Britain Road. For a quarter, you'd go see me. I saw movies every weekend. For and a quarter? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm a lot awesome. older than you, dude. <laughs> that's still awesome. <laughs> uh, Compared to like the 12 bucks nowadays. Yeah. yeah. And so I went to OU. They didn't really have a film. They had sort of a film school. But my two film classes, I made Fs in screenwriting and filmmaking. Because my dad died that year. Uh-huh. And... Mm. I had to get a job, mm-hmm. and I couldn't finish it. And back then, you get a if, – if you have an incomplete and you don't finish, it turns into an F. So if you look oh. at my transcript, I have an F in filmmaking and an F in screenwriting, <laughs> even though I've worked on movies and sold screenplays. You didn't use that on your resume, did you? Like, hey, check this out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 
I couldn't wait to get out of Oklahoma. It was a different Oklahoma in 1976 than it is now. That's very this, true. This was probably, a, we're sitting in the Tower Theater upstairs. This, I think, was a porn theater or a second-run theater Isn't or something. crazy? Uh, better days. And I moved <laughs> yeah, to, the, yeah, back when America yeah. was great. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I moved to L.A. I got there on a Friday, went to Disneyland on Saturday, and started working on a, a movie on Monday with wow. the one person I knew in L.A., uh, a guy named Mark Walthour, on a movie called Goodbye, Franklin High. I'd actually done one in Santa Fe before that. but And I guess I was good enough at it and personable enough because that's what the film business is. You can get by on personality a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And only a few people survive being dicks. You know, most <laughs> you know, people are... That's like, such an important message for, for young people to hear, though, because, mm-hmm. like... That's something that I've been kind of realizing <clears throat> as we've been doing this and as, <clears throat> you know, as... As you've been clearing your throat? As I, you know, eventually get a clear esophagus. <laughs> it's just social skills. Mm-hmm. It really goes a long a way. you major, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> but yeah, so, so you literally just went out there and just started it. And, and interestingly, I don't know how, like James Ray just left to go there he was an electrician yep. turkey ball for me i think it's a lot tougher now i mean because i was paying 130 dollars a month for an apartment four blocks from the beach in venice oh my gosh in la uh-huh oh my god and i was making 400 bucks a week on movies like halloween you know before yeah. i got in the union mm-hmm. well salaries have gone up i assert clearly you're not making 400 bucks a week on movies like that anymore but they haven't gone up as much as rent. Yeah. That yeah. now is $1,500 a month. It's gone up 10 times, and salaries certainly aren't $4,000. Yeah. So it's a lot tougher. Back then, you could work sporadically and still make a living. Mm. You know, So that's, that's a little different. And, of course, now there's filmmaking in Atlanta, New Orleans, Canada, Europe. And back then, it was really mostly in L.A., was the population as dense as it is now? In Los Angeles? Yeah. I, well, I moved there in 76 and left in 2013. The traffic got progressively worse. Houses got more expensive. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the big thing about it's a roundabout way to get back to your question, but the big thing about Oklahoma moving back here is I wasn't working in L.A. much. Oh, really? No, not much. Because I don't want to do TV. There's nothing wrong with TV. Don't yell at me. me (laughs) Audience, calm down. Calm down. But it just, you know, it's, I mean, the big thing about TV is in 1988, they changed the rules for working. And you used to, prior to that, after midnight on a Friday, you got double time of whatever your rate Mm. was. So I, I guarantee you, you did not work all night, Friday nights, unless... It was budgeted, and they had planned for it. Now, sometimes you had to, but you got paid well. (coughs) After that rule changed, it became what I I didn't make this name up, but I love this name. It's F*** You Friday. Really? Uh, Yeah, that's what it's called. It's like we're going to come in at 4 p.m. and work all night Friday, but we still come back to work Monday morning. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen that here. That's different Mm -hmm. than the $5 Fridays I'm used to. Yes. (laughs) And uh, I... You know, I'm, I'm briefly in that documentary, Who Needs Sleep? 
Yeah. And when Haskell interviewed me, he had nobody he'd interviewed had ever said that term. He ended up not using it because he didn't want an R rating. But right. uh, <laughs> but that really fundamentally changed the film business for the worse. Mm-hmm. And was just the the overtime like the well just the fact that you'd get off at four or five a.m. Saturday morning. You have a life. You have a wife or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a husband or kids or pets or whatever. And you go home, and if you try to stay up, you fall asleep about noon. If you go to yeah. bed, you wake up and you feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And so that really – but since I was just not working in L.A. because I didn't want to do those Fridays, uh, I was doing movies. And so they were – the last five years I was in L.A., I think the only movie I did in L.A. was The Squeakle. And really? that was accidental. Uh, I did not know what I'd signed on for. I feel like you just, you just stumbled upon this well, Gweekwell and this they were cameraman, like, <laughs> he seems a, legit. I was out on a sailboat <laughs> with this cameraman and some other people. And he said, you want to do my next thing? I think it's a TV movie. And I said, sure, four weeks in and out. Let's do that. Yeah. And then he says, no, I quit. the." T-. He calls me. He goes, I quit the TV movie. I'm doing this movie for Fox. And I go, well, the movie's always better. It pays better and everything. And I accepted it. And then I remembered to ask what it was. <laughs> and and then about halfway through shooting, the Fox executive comes to set and he goes, Well, we're gonna change the name of this. I was talking to him and I said, Dude, you changed the name and I quit. Because that's <laughs> the only thing that's any good about this. They were gonna change the name? Yeah, because they thought parents uh kids wouldn't understand it. And I said, the kids are gonna go to this movie. Don't have to understand it because their parents are driving them. Yeah, and their parents they're are paying attention them. to the to the chipmunks. Let them have one shred of oh, that's funny before yeah. they have to just yeah. sit there. And I, the- I finally saw it in a dollar theater in Shawnee on spring break. It was before I'd moved back. As there. it was intended to mm-hmm. be viewed. You know what? It was a crowd full of little kids. Really? His parents had dropped him off, plus me and my wife, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, He's going to be a babysitter. <laughs> and I can tell you, the fart jokes killed him. There's a That's couple. That's awesome. And they just, been the, the whole audience just went nuts. You know, I think I was working, because uh, I, I, before I started working in film full-time, when I was still trying to, like, convince people that I knew what I was doing, mm-hmm. like, I was working at a before and after school care program for the Y. <laughs> and we totally watched that movie. And I remember the kids just like losing their minds mm. over the squeakle. Yeah. I can't remember Not a single plot jokes, point. But the squeak, the, the no. squeakle? Just the, the title alone. They you were said, like, we're it's watch- a masterpiece. Well, you said, we're watching the squeakle. And they all said, and they just I, slow clap. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure the guy sold a spec script, and the big attraction for Fox was that name. I mean, really? I don't know that for a fact, that's but so I funny. think that's I, I, I bet that's right. I bet it was written on like a napkin <laughs> with like yeah. stains on it. It, it is great. <laughs> yeah. that. So that was sort of, I, 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 and, and you know, we spent the whole movie, we had stuffies that are two scale. Oh, uh, of the chipmunks? Chipmunks mm-hmm. on a pole. So you could hold them, in, you know, and they had stuffy handlers that would hold them in like, okay, Alvin and Simon are in this. And so two guys are standing there with sticks, and they go, okay, they run away, and these guys make them run away. <laughs> Masterful puppeteering. I hear that's how they and, work with Michael Caine. Yeah. <laughs> they just put him on a puppet and have him yeah, run exactly. away. Yeah, exactly. They just <laughs> move his yeah. arms for him. And so, you know, you're lighting air, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, wow. and so it wasn't very challenging. That's... And actually, that reminds me, we should, before we go any further, we should probably explain what exactly a gaffer is, because some, no. I'm sure some people are Everybody listening knows. to this, and they're like, I did what? <laughs> so what exactly is a gaffer for the layperson? 
Well, Merriam-Webster's first definition is an old guy, which I qualify for. That was the word <laughs> of the day on, on Tuesday, by the way, <laughs> just in case anybody wants to look it up. But it's, it, it, I've heard various stories, but basically it's, uh, it's the head of the lighting department um, it sounds more impressive than it is in a way because all movies need lighting, but really it's the cameraman. Uh, so here in Oklahoma, Andrew Smith, Sam Calvin, Jacob Burns, they would be what's called in shorthand the DP, director of photography, and the gaffer works for him. Uh, and there's also a key grip. And so between the key grip and I, uh, if they're written instructions, then the gaffer has to do them because grip's famously can't read much. But, <laughs> all right. Uh, We've all met Jeremy, Jeremy Dopolito. <laughs> <Sorry>, <laughs> um, but uh, so the director and the DP would talk, say, we want to shoot in here and we want to shoot this podcast and we want it to be moody. Now, Brian has done a masterful job of lighting this. You, Thank that you. are listening can't see to appreciate that, but he would say, well, we want, why is there blue light on the curtains? And then I would go, oh, it's supposed to be red, and my dimmer board operator would change it. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding in a way, but basically that's that's like a blue. I have no idea why that's blue. it's supposed to be red. It's you a, know, it's supposed to complement the beautiful blue backdrop. Who's done this? I can't tell you how many times I've gone, oh, shit. Uh, blue yeah, on blue. It's going to be red about, turn it. Yeah, turn it now. that's what we meant to do. Yeah. It's all part of the process. Mm-hmm. So basically I'm ahead of the lighting department. I have a best boy, the best boy or girl, but even the women that have Fill that position for me. Don't like to be called best girl or best lady or best woman. They, they just like best. Well, they just like best boy. It's a commonly accepted term. Yeah, and it doesn't really have much to forcing, do with gender so much. Just well, the position it, it used to because mm-hmm. there wouldn't have been any women in that position forty years ago. Right, but uh, it's you know it's uh, so that's what we do, and it's it's a complex job on a big movie. You you have a budget. Sometimes my budget's two or three million dollars. And I have to account for that. You know, I have a... That must be nice. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I've also done movies that are $100,000 for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. it's a different... You just have to approach it according to your budget and schedule and everything else. Clearly, you're not going to order up a ton of lights for a $100,000 movie. Right. But you're not going to get away with not using any lights on a $200 million movie that's on a stage because it'd be fairly dark. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn. You have to adapt. When I started... The technology was completely different. And, like, it's hard to explain in lighting, but to use sound as an example, they used to record on a Nagra, reel to reel. Yeah. You know? I mean, a real, real. I want to try reel. that, man. Well, you can buy them <laughs> really for about bad. 10 bucks on eBay. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and now, and then they went to DAT, mm. and now it's it's just complete. I mean, a Nagra is literally 10 bucks on eBay or 50 yeah. bucks, and mostly sells in Eastern Europe to people that still. It's crazy how fast this stuff changes, too, because, like, whenever I was, like, learning sound at, like, whenever I was in film school, was we were learning on DAT machines. Yeah. And that was not even, that was 10 years ago? Yeah. Which well, I guess is a million years ago in film yeah. in filmmaking terms. At this but, point, it is. I yeah. mean, I can remember, this is going to shock anybody that's working on films. They're going to go, God, this soul <laughs> but we didn't have walkie talkies you didn't have cell phones really no you didn't have cell how phones. do you communicate if you don't have any walkies at all i was a best boy in those days and you had a pocket full of quarters and you always knew where the pay phones were <laughs> wow you have to order some equipment yeah or order manpower that's what you did 
That's I was, crazy. We were out in the middle of nowhere in Alberta on a movie called The Edge with Anthony Hopkins, a bear, and Alec Baldwin. Oh, it's yeah, actually a good yeah, movie. Yeah. And we hurt Anthony in the first day of shooting. We dropped him into a 34-degree lake. I mean, he knew we were doing Oh, you it. hurt him? Yeah, we I hurt him. I thought you said him. you heard no, him. No, we hurt him. <laughs> we just, I was like, well, what did he say? That's Anthony. We heard him. And so they, they came to us and said, we're going to shut down you know, for five days or something. And, of course, I was going to go home. Hmm. And so I knew where the nearest payphone was. And as they're talking, I know what's coming. I'm backing up, and I look, and all the people that really know what's going on are all backing up towards the parking lot because we all want to get to that payphone first to book oh, a flight because yeah. there was no cell, no smartphones, no right. internet. Uh, Man, to, to get out of town. Down. Yeah, yeah I, I ran over a couple of people getting to the, <laughs> to the payphone. This is a tsunami of desperate <laughs> <Yeah>. crew members. <laughs> so in no walkie-talkies, uh, you know, very little equipment like you would have now no leds yeah the cameras were film the sound was on a reel-to-reel recorder um and much much less mobile than it is now now everything is so i still mobile. did movies that were pretty mobile but you just learn and now with leds and stuff i bet a lot of old-time sound guys cameramen i have these thoughts sometimes i, go, <laughs> I don't remember how i used to do it because yeah. like with leds you know they're not hot. You, you know they're they're small. They're light. They don't. You don't. If, I've lit whole movies with LEDs and uh, and big lights. Yeah, know? and so they don't pull nearly as much power as before. No, I mean the first. It wasn't LEDs, but on the first Planet of the Apes, we had an indoor outdoor scene on a stage, so we had to make it look like it was outdoors. So we hung instead of space lights. The nerds out there will know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. We hung KinoFlow Image 80s, and they're more expensive than space lights. But I convinced the production to do it because there's no air conditioning. Mm-hmm. They're, they're fluorescent lights. <clears throat> they're not hot. Yeah. And there's no dimmers because they're not dimmable. So even though the light itself is more expensive, I convinced them because we're going to be here for six months. The stage is going to sit rigged for four months probably. And we don't have to carry dimmers. We don't have to carry all this stuff. A lot less cable, a lot less manpower to put it in. So it's changed quite a bit. But having said that, and cameras are faster. You know, they yeah. routinely shoot at 800 ASA now. And when I did Halloween, it was 100 ASA. Oof. So it's 100 wow. to 200, 200 to 400, 400 to 800 in yeah. progression. Uh, and so to put that into layman terms, like when well, you say... Three, three stop. A lot more light. It's, yeah. it's uh, take your digital camera if you have one and it's not just an iPhone and set it to 100 ASA and then change it to 800 ASA for the same scene and see the difference. It's, it's yeah. a lot. So that's all changed. <clears throat> but it didn't really change the process. Right. It's changed some things fundamentally. You don't like the interior of cars at night. I mean, we did The Fog, John Carpenter movie. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene... You can find it. There's a pickup going along through a forest with Jamie Lee Curtis and somebody else in it. I think we lit the trees better. It was so bright in the cab. Light was spilling out of the cab. It looked like Hiroshima inside there. You know, it was like August 6th, 1945. It was embarrassing. But it was because you had to use bright lights and it Mm -hmm. melted due to diffusion before they got to where the camera was. And so... I look back on stuff like yeah. that and I go, wow. Well, isn't it crazy to think that the lights used to, be, like, whenever you first got started, how bright they seemed, and yet <clears throat> that's nothing compared to the silent era 
when lights used to be like the surface of the sun just <laughs> about oh, yeah. just about oh no you can look at old stills probably online and there'll be literally around the stage a big light next to a big light next to a big light yeah. i mean all the way around now they won't necessarily have them all on at the same time but they'll all be up there and i still did some of that like honey i shrunk the kids i shipped uh two containers full of 10ks which are 10k it's like 10k in dollars 10,000 watts it's very bright <laughs> used to be the brightest tungsten light now there's a 20k uh but we shipped them down there because it was already evolving and disney just had racks of these sitting in the rain outside mm-hmm. they didn't know what to do with them because nobody wanted them anymore yeah. because you need that much <clears throat> light because now the because back when those pictures of the stage surrounded by lights the asa was 25 Oh so gosh. that's two stops Isn't less. Isn't that than crazy 100. to think how? Because the film industry is only uh, like it got started twenty years old. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's really not that old. No. It's but just like course, amazing how technology is just like increasingly got you know model, NAB every year is just I don't insane. Think mm-hmm. Model Ts have blind spot recognition either. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it changes, <laughs> and that's the thing that I've been able to. I, I'm not that smart, but I'll tell you. Here comes a tip for all you film students hire smarter people than you Mm -hmm. yeah i always do i always hire my best boy my lamp operators i always want them to know more than me because Mm. i don't know it all and i can't keep up with it all and yeah and it's you know and and i tell that to cameraman hire somebody that knows more than you so they can like me because it's not hard (laughs) to know more than a lot of cameramen because they're concerned with the overall look and not whether it's a 10k you know right it's it's like you go into a director and do you want me to use this mic or this mic or that mic and i go brian i want it to sound good yeah mm-hmm. you know? i hired you because you're smarter than me Which yeah. I, that kind of actually <clears throat> leads me i don't know why i have a frog that is just living in my throat Man, today. it keeps croaking too yeah Blah. <laughs> but that kind of leads me into the next question which like since you've lived out in la for a very very long time and you've you know you've been in the trenches for forever like we were talking earlier about how uh very few people seem to get by being a dick like how much um how much does humility play into things does that make sense like you're hiring people that are smarter than you Mm -hmm. you know you don't want to brag about being smarter than someone yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's yeah, yeah. I'm glad you hired me because you're pretty stupid, right? Uh, that's, that's not really a good. I'm going to keep working with but, this guy. Yeah, he's dumb but, as a brick. <laughs> I mean, here's here's the thing. It's not just humility or being a dick. What it is, and I tell this when I talk at OCC or OCU or OU or any place really. I say you're sitting in a room with a bunch of film students. I say, guys, look around you because these are all the people that are going to hire you. In one form or another, if not hire you, give your name to somebody. Because mm-hmm. you and I are talking, and, and I go, you know, I'm doing this thing, and I need a makeup person. And you go, oh, wow. I know yeah. this person. Careers was, were made off of recommendations. My mm-hmm. crazy was made in some measure off of two recommendations. One, to do a miniseries called America about the Russian takeover of the United States. First union thing I did. First big thing I did. Really? I showed up in Nebraska. <clears throat> And they let me off in the wrong place, and I had to walk to the set past 30 40-foot trailers. And the biggest thing I had done prior to that was a 10-ton truck that had grip, camera, sound, <laughs> yeah, electric. Everything in it. there. Right. And then another <clears throat> little motorhome with some wardrobe in it. 
yeah. that was and then i was on this thing and it was like wow this is this is cool and if you read enough there's a lot of directors like I don't know that it was him, but somebody like Colin Trevorrow who goes from a small movie to a big movie. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the comments they make is, oh, my God, there's just so much stuff mm-hmm. that people are wrangling all in this my crap. name. Yeah. And just, they're wrangling it in your name if you're the director. Yeah. yeah. And just, to a lesser degree, they're wrangling it in your name if you're the DP or <laughs> the uh, yeah. gaffer. All I those mean, department it, heads. Mm-hmm. Every department. Yeah. Just, believe me, the film business it's been around long enough that there aren't any useless departments. People make Teamster jokes. I just did a movie ah, without mm-hmm. Teamsters. And it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Trucks yeah. were in the wrong place. It was Nobody knew where the trucks were sometimes. I mean, you know, Teamsters are great. Yeah. Uh, same with, uh, you know, locations. The location oh Shout out God. to locations. Yeah, That's well, right. You did locations a couple times, didn't you? Yes, it was <clears> an <throat> experience. A, oh, it's, yeah. the, it's, it's an unsung job that's really shit. Totally. Because you are the Those guy are that heroes. has to go explain why the electricians burned a hole in your new deck. Or put a hole in a painting at a museum, which is what happened when yes. I was lo- doing I, location I uh, for one that. shoot. Yep. Um, so, in, in my, yeah, I, I mean, and whatever can happen has happened. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Learn more about that on our Murphy's Law episode. <laughs> oh, it's, it's stunning how, how much can go wrong. Yeah, because basically you're asking people that are well trained, but not necessarily in that specific thing, to do stuff, and it can go south pretty quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But m- what I tell these kids in the end is these are the people that are going to hire you, so don't be a dick. Right. Don't d- be nice. For every asshole that I've worked with, and there's been a lot over forty something years. Mm-hmm people you remember are either the worst assholes and you they're they're in my book as only if i'm dead broke mm-hmm. and and at this point i'm never going to be dead broke and so they're in the never mm-hmm. yeah. category i turned down the third <clears throat> planet of the apes uh because i did the second one and the cameraman was maybe the worst human being i've ever met Oof. in my life really yeah he put me in the hospital which is Jeez. i had a basically a, a nervous breakdown about three months after the fact that I attribute at least partly to him. Oh. But I just said, I'm not going to do that again. I, you know, even though I thought three was a good looking movie and I wanted to do it cause I did the first two. Right. I just, I took myself out of it long by taking another movie. They never even yeah. talked to me because they knew I was busy. Yeah. So I hate that. I hate working with people that make your life miserable. Mm-hmm. Well, there's just no, there's just no need to. It's so unnecessary. Like, <clears throat> the thing I always think about is like, I remember whenever we were coming up in film school, like there were a couple guys that just thought that being a diva, like having that air about them, like they wanted to be directors and stuff. And they just thought that that was what you did. Mm-hmm. That's as far as the reasoning went is that that's just what you do. You just said- Hold the people sit in a chair and mm-hmm. I have coffee and I'm a dick. Like I have a vision and mm-hmm. you are here to make my vision become a reality. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the funny thing is I don't, those, I don't see those guys. No, I don't. I've never, anybody who is an asshole in school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm just <laughs> never, I've just never heard of them again. You know, mm-hmm. they just, they weed themselves out. And that's the funny thing is like the survival of the fittest. Like, you know, you see, you see the true nature of evolution active in a very organic way <laughs> in the film industry. It's true. It, it is. And 
people you read about people that aren't nice and they succeed but not below the line too much yeah yeah you get away with even above the line so i feel like they they don't last unless they're marlon brand no they do they, they well do. sean connery had a good career mm-hmm. yeah and i can't actually <clears throat> i only worked with him once i can't actually say that he was an asshole on every movie Mm-hmm. I've heard other people say, no, he was fine. But on Medicine Man, it was awful. Really? And sometimes, in fairness to Sean, he's retired. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Is, <laughs> in fairness, sometimes it's the handlers. Yeah. Whose job depends on them being happy and don't want anything to make that actor or director or whatever come back on them. Right. And, and how does that work? Like, when you say handlers, are you referring to, like, the actor's assistants? Their assistants or the stuntman, if it's a heavy stunt show, the stuntman's generally chosen by the actor, mm. things like that. Sean, I'll give you good, he would probably deny this if you ever heard this, but it happened. <laughs> we were in Mexico in the middle of nowhere. No TV, no cell phones, no internet. This is 1991. Mm. And we're in a little town called Catamaco. And I find out that Sean's driver every day once he delivers Sean to set, goes to Veracruz, which is like two and a half hours, and buys Sean a New York Times and L.A. Times and a Wall Street Journal. Hmm. So I give the guy 50 bucks, and I say, if there's a paper left, bring me an L.A. Times every day. And, to, and if that runs out, I'll give you 50 more dollars just to have something to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Information on. from the outside right. world. Yeah. And he comes <clears throat> back at the end of the day, and he, yeah, I go, hey, man. You got my paper, and he hands me my 50 bucks back, and he said, I told Sean I was going to pick a paper up for you, and he said, no. Mm. <laughs> I said, what? He said, no, he doesn't want me to deliver papers for anybody else. I said, wow. Man. Okay. So it's that kind of shit you have to yeah, put up with. Just like small little petty things. To be fair. Although on the plus side, if I was going to get chewed out by anybody, I would love to hear, hear Sean Connery chew me out. No. He's chewed me. He chewed me. About out. telling me how the Grail is not about archaeology. <laughs> and the, the times time, against evil. The times belong to me. <laughs> <laughs> we did get him to say Bond, James Bond. Did you? Oh, nice. <clears throat> maybe I, maybe um, that's why he didn't watch <laughs> Like They made me say Bond, James Bond. Yeah. They don't get any paper. You know, and it, it, that's kind of... Uh, I worked with a sound mixer that worked with Sean Connery before, and he said kind of pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrison Ford told me that he believes that Sean Connery still has the first dollar he ever made. <laughs> really? Uh, uh, he said he likes him too. I mean, they did the that, last, yeah, they last did He said he's a great guy, but he is so fucking cheap. That's so weird. He told like, me a story. I don't know if it's true or not, but somebody, either Harrison or somebody told me that Sean would, I don't know if they still have to do this, but they would have tax holidays where they would leave England for mm-hmm. a while and he would go to Spain. Uh, and he was in Spain and he played a golf match with three college students, took them for all their money and left them penniless on the side of the road. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> then it's appropriate Fake. to say Bond, James Bond. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I guess their story that they got out of it was probably worth the money. They got fleeced by Bond. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that'd probably be worth it. Yeah. Uh, once you got back I to swindled them. <laughs> those college, those NYU students had no idea. None. You know, we've actually done a Sean Connery themed sketch. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, we have Matt Gardaki playing Sean Connery, and he's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, it was, I mean, that movie could have been good. It's, it's Sometimes it's sad when you work on movies because you, you guys know it takes the same amount of movie to make a bad movie as a good mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, so that movie didn't really know whether it wanted to be a drama or sort of a comedy. We're in the middle of nowhere. But there was some cool stuff. I spent a week in the treetops. We'd go mm. to work. They'd drop us off about an hour drive up into the rainforest. And we climbed up a parallel that they'd built surrounding a tree mm. 80 feet to the top. We built a big platform up there. And then we hung Bozen's chairs between the uh, this sounds like the Ewok village from yeah, Return really of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. And and I'd sit up there. I had a little light with me. If we you know did a close up, I'd go out on the bosun's chair and hold the light, <laughs> wait to get yelled at. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was you know if you've been doing this long enough and been lucky enough to get on stuff that isn't in L.A., you get to do some cool stuff. Yeah. On Escape from New York, I got to go up in one of the Hueys, strapped in while the guy's doing these stunts, like rolling the helicopter over. Oh, and it's cool. just a door. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's wow. no door. It's just that open door yeah. that you've seen in Vietnam movies. And I've got an, a strap on, but I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, so you get to do stuff, speedboats on Miami Vice and nice. jungles and helicopters and all that. So it's that part's fun. Yeah. Because you don't get to do this stuff in real life. Oh, yeah. Not everybody. I mean, if you're That's a That's the thing that keeps me, keeps me coming, mm-hmm. coming back after those long night shoots and those few Fridays and that yeah. kind of thing. Is that one day you'll be around Thor's hammer? Yeah, something? yeah. And I will pick it up. <laughs> I am worthy. So uh, that actually kind of segues into, into uh, the, the next thing that I, I'm positive that all of our listeners are wondering is what's it like to work on a Marvel movie? Because that's well, a scale move. That's a level of freaking well, awesomeness. The, the first mm-hmm. one I did was Wolverine, which was right. the origins. Uh huh. X Men mm-hmm. Origins. And everybody could have been. Said, well, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. It had a start date with you in Australia, and we were going to. We, they had a release date, so you know we had to shoot. Mm-hmm. He had a movie right after that, and we didn't have a script. Gavin mm-hmm. did not have a script because it was during the writer's strike. Uh, and so was it? it came out in 2008? Yeah. Well, yeah. It came out in 2009. Yeah. I got there in November of 2007, mm-hmm. and we shot until I left in June of 2008, and I was in Sydney and New Zealand. We shot part in New Zealand. Nice. So that was the first Marvel movie I did, and Gavin's a great and talented director. He directed Eye in the Sky and Ender's Game. Mm-hmm. He won an Oscar for foreign film for Satsi. Oh, hmm. um, so I guess that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> Bless <laughs> you. <Point of view>. Yeah, <laughs> haven't so heard he, any. And he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. And he got saddled with no script, but a movie yeah. that had to be made. And mm. they fucked up Deadpool for example. Yeah. Oh my God. And they almost yeah. killed Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Deadpool has made it come back the way it has. And that was Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And we shot scenes that are Deadpool just like now. Yeah. That were funny. And um, they're either toned down or not in the film. So that was my first Marvel movie. Although, mm-hmm. actually, I worked a couple of days on reshoots for Captain America that no one's seen. The first one's Albert Kuhn, I think, directed it. I did oh, some movies with Albert Pune. Oh, like the 86, like yeah. way back in the day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Marvel was bankrupt. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, uh, I think I worked a couple of days. They shot it in Eastern Europe. I think we came back and did some close-ups or something in mm-hmm. L.A. I knew the director. Uh, and then last year, I did Thor, 
and Black Panther reshoots. They shot Thor in Australia, and everybody thinks reshoots are a bad thing. And anymore, I mean, George Lucas started it. His contracts include reshoots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so nobody can say, well, I don't want to do this yeah. anymore. It's, right. You it seems like reshoots are becoming more of just like a part of the process. Oh, yeah. they are. Yeah. And they're not reshoots. I mean, in, in a sense, they used to be. Right. You'd screen I'm the like, movie and, up oh, and now is, we've got to. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is terrible. Yeah. We've got to fix it. But on Thor, they did, you know, they screened it and we reshot three weeks, but we shot 500 setups in three weeks. Wow. So there's pieces of what I did all the way through the movie. We, yeah. we reshot about 40 out of 120 pages. Was that wow. Pinewood in yeah. Atlanta? Yeah. And in fact, go look at the tr- trailer. Now trailers have names. Trailer <laughs> one for mm-hmm. Thor. And when she, for want of a better word, squishes the hammer, mm-hmm. it's in an alley. Oh, yeah. Right. And That's right. Yes. So you and, were on those reshoots. Well, so I go to see the third Planet of the Apes in Atlanta while we're working. And there's a trailer for Thor, and I'm going, shit, we just shot that yesterday. The reshoot <laughs> wow. with the hammer squish. <laughs> yeah. Now, what happened was they looked at it, and they said, why are we staging this in a dirty, grungy old alley? Yeah. So they restaged it. We didn't have Kate Blanchett. Um, Available? Well, shooting. we had her for the first two days of, or three of shooting, mm-hmm. but we didn't have the boys. So um, if you look at that, Kate's stuff is shot within rock-throwing distance of Pinewood. We're in a field that they park cars in sometimes. It's after. like an actual practical location. It's mm-hmm. a field. Yeah. Just, it hadn't been developed yet. The reverse, we went about an hour south down to Sonoya where they shoot Walking Dead into this horse ranch farm. And we needed a cliff. I mean, a cliff. It's 10 feet. But we needed something so the grass died into a green screen. Mm -hmm. And all the boys, all that ocean is red dirt clay in Georgia. (laughs) It's been replaced. They're looking at the beautiful view. (laughs) And so they were never, in that scene, they were never in in Georgia at the same time. Oh, wow. In the reshoot. And so we redid just little pieces here and there, some new scenes. Uh, we were, you know, I mean, it, and so I watched the movie and I go, wow, we did that. We did that. Yeah. I was, I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp and while I was down there doing Thor, they hadn't started shooting yet and they had to do Stan Lee's cameo because huh. he was there because we did his cameo <laughs> for Thor. Right. Well, let's pick it up. So I'm watching it. I'd forgotten about it. I'm watching Ant-Man and the Wasp and go, Hey, I worked on Ant-Man and the Wasp because I did oh, nice. his scene where, have you seen it? Uh, yeah, yeah. When he gets in the car and says the 60s were tough. Yeah, yeah. And I did that. Uh, it was funny. That's awesome. Uh, but, Stanley's uh, getting old, man. Mm-hmm. The one th- yes. One thing that's different about Marvel is they do not feed you. You don't break for lunch, rather. Yeah. They did that on... I, I was on an HBO show shoot, and uh, they... They just never took lunches, and I didn't know that that was even a thing. I didn't mm-hmm. know that you could do that. Well, you just have to pay meal penalty. Yeah, if it was, and they were like, "We have the money." Yeah. <laughs> well, Marvel, I look—they're smart. I guess somebody—they never articulated this to me or anybody that I know of—but I believe that they ran the numbers because if you break for a half hour, it's really an hour, mm-hmm. right? If you break for an hour, Last it's really an hour and, and fifteen. That. And yeah. then the, momentum and, you have right. to get back so there's always a caterer there's always food it's not that you can't eat yeah they just don't break you're meant to break the 
third and fourth electricians to get as many people off meal penalty as you can. Mm-hmm. But if you can't, the meal penalty is if you don't eat after six hours, which is two hours before most of you go home for mm-hmm. a day's work, six hours in the film business. You probably know this if you listen to this show, but that is lunch. Mm-hmm. And then you have six Halfway to eight hours mm-hmm. more yeah. after that. Even if it's at three in the morning, yeah. that's lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's always I, that's my favorite thing is like in the in the morning when you show up and it's like six p.m. Yeah, mm-hmm. like and, saying good morning to each other and, just to have some shred of normalcy in their lives. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> true. Yeah, <laughs> and so Marvel doesn't break for lunch, and you only work ten hours. If the director needs to go longer than ten, he needs to have a good a reason. It it can happen. It did happen a couple of times on Thor. Dude, for and a then, ten hour day, I I go awesome. every time. Yeah. That sounds awesome because I'm so used to like twelve no, or fourteen. No. It was it was nice, and we didn't do any nights on the reshoots on Thor. I was mostly stage based, except for the squishing the hammer. <laughs> and uh, then Black Panther, you know, we redid the fight or amplified, I guess is a better way to put the fight on Amplified. the train tracks downtown, down yeah. at the bottom of the vibranium mine, and they added a whole lot of stuff to the fight in Wakanda mm-hmm. at the end. Mm. Um, How much of that was a practical set? Because it felt it felt like it was on Which green one? screen. The, Both the train and the Wakanda. Well, the vibranium <clears throat> set's about 100 feet long mm. on a stage. It's three light towers. So if you watch it again, it's three of those light towers that are sort of like this. Oh, okay. Uh, there's no train. Right. right. That may be a shock to you. But there's <laughs> what? No, yes. There's no train. There's not even... I don't, uh, are there tracks? No, because it's a maglev. Yeah. There's not even any tracks. Yeah. So all that exists... I mean, it's like... We built the, if you go see the first of the new Planet of the Apes, the James Franco one, the whole Golden Gate Bridge scene was in a parking lot in Vancouver. All that's real is the pavement. We, we paved the road. We built a curb. And we built the fence. And we built the light stanchions. I'd walk into the stage and have to walk through the paint department because where my parking spot was. <laughs> and I'd see these things being painted and built and fabricated Jeez. and everything as it went along. Um, so when you look at it, there is nothing real there yeah. except what I just described. And surrounded by green. And then because it's an apes movie, there's a lot of motion capture. Mm. And so this is 50 to 75 cameras, not film cameras, but infrared cameras that track in 3D. And wow. the guys have the ape doubles have on what I call Velcro suits that have little LEDs stuck to them for tracking purposes, a little headphone thing. So it looks like you're working at Starbucks, except mm-hmm. it's got yeah. a, a, a light right. on it and a camera so they can record your facial yeah. expressions. Mm-hmm. And then they were taking orders in between setups yeah. too. Yeah. Andy Circus mm-hmm. was really good about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you need a grande? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Excuse me. I'll be, I, I had a big order. I'm sorry. I'm coming back. Like, I'm, I'm going to call cut here. I need yeah. to get my coffee just really quick. Circus so, will be right back. He's got like three back. That down. was pretty cool. <laughs> and then for the second apes, they decided to shoot it in 3D. To shoot it in 3D. Most 3D's post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you convert it in post. Yeah. But we shot it in 3D. So you have two Alexa cameras mounted 90 degrees to each other. And we're out. The first day of shooting is out in a forest on a hillside in the rain in British Columbia, about an hour from town. And I don't think we shot anything for nine hours because we had so much trouble with the water and the cameras. And the 3D stuff is all – it's it's so weird. 
doing an apes movie because <laughs> the 3D we have a big 10 by 20 tent that's got all the 3D stuff in it because each camera has a 3D technician and then there's a 3D supervisor in there mm. as well because you have to decide how much 3D you want in a shot. That's yeah. a, it's more complicated than that. But I feel like like to get the focus to, to get the focus where you want it to be determines yeah. and, the separation and of the so two cameras. Most of Apes we did were down around one because yeah. the director I don't think wanted to do it in 3D and so resisted. Just <laughs> uh, tolerating it, <laughs> you know. And then it, you know when you crank it all the way up is when you get spears, you know, coming out yeah. of the screen and everything. We didn't have any wow. of that, but we also had Apes sometimes twenty or more, mm. and so they're all the motion control cameras up high. And Weta, who did the motion capture for the apes, they're the New Zealand Peter Jackson's mm-hmm. Hobbit and Lord yeah. of the Rings special effects company, visual effects company. They had uh, a tent as well, full of millions of dollars of proprietary software and hard drives and everything, because mm-hmm. they're recording 50 cameras mm-hmm. or 30 cameras Golly. or 60 cameras, whatever. Yeah. They're recording all this data. And it's all synced up to the image and the camera, et cetera. Uh, it's, it's wild. And you know, it's, well, the crazy thing, like every time I hear about that, like just the amount of technology, yeah. oh my God. all of this and, time and effort and just millions of dollars so that you could sit in your chair and go, yeah, I can do the next channel. Yeah, or just like, <laughs> except that the apes and Planet of the Apes are good. Oh, oh yeah, they are really. My God, good. well, especially the the most recent one. Like they're fantastic in both of them, but in the most recent one, I can't remember what it's War. called. War. That's mm-hmm. right. The uh, the motion capture on Andy Circus is a level of good. Like I didn't know that you could get better than what we already had, and mm-hmm. then I saw that and it was just well, like that's. I'll tell you a little story crap. from the first one. Mm-hmm. If you've seen it, there's a scene where John Lithgow sort of losing his mind, and he goes out and gets him what he thinks his his car and he or he, he's not supposed to drive anyway he backs his car he's trying to get out of the parking spot and he backs into his neighbor's mustang mm-hmm. chariot out mustang and bam 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 right neighbor sees it and runs down and pulls him out of the car going what the fuck are you doing and caesar's watching up top so caesar comes down it's andy circus in yeah. the velcro suit and pushes the chases the guy away and hugs john lithgow so he chases the guy away. And this is the Indian of Velcro suit, for mm-hmm. God's sake. And John yeah. Chases the guy away, and he comes back and hugs John, and John hugs him, and people started crying with Andy in a Velcro suit. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's a level of acting. That there. is. That's, that's, that's crazy. gotten some press. He's a nice guy, and he deserves all that press, but I don't think people really appreciate how much of Caesar, for example, or Gollum, mm-hmm. is in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it is Andy, and yeah. Andy is brilliant, and so are the other apes. Do you think that bothers him at all? Like that he doesn't get the. the he never mentioned it, but I. How could it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know you're you're a character that's carrying, especially three. Mm-hmm. He and Woody Harrelson are two. It's him and and um, uh, Jason Clark, basically, uh, and gary ullman mm-hmm. but, you know there's not a lot of leads in these movies yeah. caesar yeah. is a lead yeah and he's god he's good he's a lead in the man movie. in he's, war there's no way anyone would like people probably wouldn't recognize him most of the time like yeah. people who really like you know his work will recognize You'd andy be circus surprised how many people lay people know the name andy circus yeah mm-hmm. it's i mean my daughter you know i i find out from her what a lot of people know because she'll 
talk about it. And, mm-hmm. she, and I asked her, I said, do you think people know that Andy's under there? And she was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I know I've definitely, because like, I kind of, I feel like our generation's kind of grown up with Andy Circus, like knowing the man behind the mask of like, we know that that's Gollum. We know that that's Caesar. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that that's, He's, I didn't know he was King Kong. I'll, I'll admit, I didn't know he was King Kong. And that's Kong. why he got a. He got really big on that role. Yeah. <laughs> he, he got, got jacked. <laughs> they weren't going to hire. A guy named Terry Notary was doing it. And the cameraman on the first one had shot Lord of the Rings, Andrew Leslie. He's dead now. Mm-hmm. But he convinced them that they were going to fail unless they got Andy to be Caesar. Terry's good. Mm-hmm. But Andy, Terry's a stuntman turned motion capture ape actor and he's mm. the second ape lead in these movies but the big orangutan i think that's terry yeah. mm-hmm. or it might be that might be karen conova who's also good so you know it was amazing watching any it's also amazing like you said you sit in the theater and you see the 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 scene I was discussing to, where the cameras didn't work we were on a hillside out in a park south of Vancouver about an hour and you watch that, and you have no idea how hard it was to shoot that scene mm-hmm. because yeah. we had millions, literally millions of dollars in technology. Not, I'm not talking about lights or cameras. I'm just talking <laughs> about 3D and Weta's motion capture stuff yeah. on a hillside, in the rain, in the mud. And, uh, and we got these images. I and mean, it was painful. Yeah. But we, we got them. And... You know, now there's more behind-the-scenes stuff and everything. I don't know how much people watch that stuff, but it's amazing what it takes to make a film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... I, it's part of the magic, man. Yeah. When I see my kids watching a f***ing movie on their iPhone, I get pissed <laughs> off. Because it's yeah. like, no. Movies aren't even meant to be watched on TV. Mm-hmm. I, I, They're meant to be experienced. I want to say this to you. Can you watch Game Night on TV, which is actually funny, and I didn't work on it, and I'm not making any money for that. It's just hysterical. <laughs> but... Yeah, you can probably watch that on Netflix. But can you watch Lord of the Rings or Glory? Mad Max. Or Mad Max or mm-hmm. anything. Where another thing that gets lost is a small movie. Like I, I'll use Eighth Grade, for example, mm-hmm. which yeah. is out right now. Mm-hmm. You watch that at home. Your phone's going off. Your kids are yelling. It. You, you, you don't get into these small movies in the same way that you do in a theater where you're sharing a common experience with three other people. If it's, a, yeah, you yeah. Know, if it's been in the theaters for a while or a full house, <clears throat> people laugh, they cry, they yell, they scream, they clap. Right, you're watching at home with your wife yeah. and she's going, why the f*** are we here? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yes. yeah, so my- I encourage you all to go see movies because if more of us don't go see them in these theaters, there can be fewer and fewer theaters. Mm-hmm. And fewer and fewer films that they open in. So there is, you can't see, go see Mission Impossible in a theater and then watch it again at home and see if it's the same experience. Yeah. That's why I like, I try to, um, I I go to the Dollar Theater a lot Mm -hmm. because I'm cheap. Big spender. You know, Sean Connery is my, is my homeboy. We're both cheap. The North Park 7? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I love going to see like horror movies, like, like shit grindhouse movies at the dollar theater just because my first job that i ever had was at a dollar theater back when it was still film and like it was as grindhouse oh, yeah. as you could get and i used to love watching horror movies at these old theaters but i try to reserve my the big amc you know imax yeah. mm-hmm. theater right. experiences for those you know i feel like uh 
the big blockbuster movies are kind of, you know, looked down on by some film people as being like, oh, well. yeah, but like when you're on the set and seeing the technology that goes behind yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff, it's hard not to be like, this is amazing. Oh God. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a spaceship on gimbals. Yeah. It's, it's not the whole spaceship clearly, but it's up 10 feet in the air. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, you can get hurt on this thing Yeah, on Peter Pan, not the Steven Spielberg one, not the Johnny Depp one, but the one no one saw. <laughs> is that the uh, Hugh Jackman one? Oh, not that one either. Hmm. No, it's not Hook. Oh, uh, man. It, it's called Peter Pan. It's a kid's movie that cost $100 million, so it was way too expensive. <laughs> I was on it. We shot between first and second unit and a splinter unit 400 days, which normal, the longest movie other than that that I've worked 400 on. Days? 400 days? That just sunk in. That took like, that long like, to sink yeah, in. Just yes, wait, wait, wait. What? what? Holy, over so, a year? Oh, yeah. I was on it from July until September. Of the next year. Oh, my God. I've uh, heard of 500 Days of Summer, but 400 Days of Peter yeah. Pan? Yeah. Were they trying to and go for Ben-Hur? <laughs> well, it was kids. Well, yeah. yeah. Dogs and special effects. So we built a 70-foot-tall pirate ship on a gimbal in a stage, and I surrounded it with blue and built this. This is going to get a little technical, but I built a 1,200-parkan <laughs> rack 1200 parkans you know what a parkan yeah. is, right? i mean it's not they weren't leds yeah and they had and we didn't want any white light in this movie so the whole the whole in pirate ship sequence rolls through the the brief was i want this to look as if it's a continuous it's not shot in as a continuous scene but i want the look to start with the sun still up and it just turning warm mm. all the way down to when it turns purple in the sky mm-hmm. and so the first time i turned that pirate ship purple hmm. i waited till everybody was on it and then i i had the dimmer board operator flip the switch and everybody's like, really twelve hundred park and was that the, basically the sun? the sun yeah and uh you know i mean technically it was on a rig that traveled it was on big steel frames so we they they had enough slack they could travel there were 300 space lights above us they were all colored yeah so to and and i said now we're going to design this we cannot go out of order oh no 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 we won't we won't we won't it's fine Mm -hmm. and of course we did like day three yep and so i made i would undock the ship because you couldn't get off unless it was docked if I knew we had to change colors, I'd undock the ship. So everybody would help change the colors on the space lights wow. because they I wouldn't dock it until that was done and they could yeah. go pee. So did you have to – like you had gels in front of the 1,200 park hands, right? You're uh-huh. not changing out 1,200 individual gels. I had a, I had a guy gels. for two weeks. All he did was cut gel. Wow. And we had stacks of each color and a continuity chart, and we would change the gel. Usually it would rotate between two colors. I needed about, depending on how dark the gel was, six to 700 of a color. And so we could rotate between scenes. So, you know, we did. I mean, I turned a whole set uh, dark blue-green and then gelled the lightning strikes, which are daylight, Gel those back to tungsten, so the lightning's yellow. Oh, cool! Which you know is is what people draw lightning as. Yeah. And so I thought, well, let's just do that. So I had fun. It was mm-hmm. it was hard. We were off in time for dinner every night. Yeah. You know what's not to like? And I was in Australia. I had an apartment on the thirteenth floor of a, a high rise on the ocean. You in Australia? It's yeah. Like that's. I've done. Way. Let's see. I did 
Moulin Rouge was the first one I did there. And then I did, I prepped and designed the lighting for Chronicles of Narnia. And then my daughter got sick and I couldn't be Uh in New Zealand. I mean, she's fine, but, but at the time I, I couldn't commute, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a long way. So I didn't do any of the shooting. And of course they didn't give me a credit, even though Mm -hmm. every step I designed, but, and then I did Wolverine there and I did Peter Pan. So I did, I did Moulin Rouge, Peter Pan, Narnia, Wolverine. Nice. Nice. And I haven't worked there in 10 years because the cameraman I work with, uh, he's not doing big movies anymore because he's 84. He's Mm -hmm. still working. That's crazy. And still loves working. Yeah. But not on anything that they would bring me for. So Australia's great. Oh, man. Well, we're going to play, uh, we're, we're going to kind of play a game in just a second, but I, I, one last question that I have is just to all the young people that are wanting to get into film as a career, mm-hmm. what's, what's a little bit of advice that you can give them? Well, I'm going to assume that you're probably living in Oklahoma. Um, maybe if, not. And if not, but, stop listening. We have one but, listener in Japan. Okay. <laughs> this, would, this would apply. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, the big thing is, I, look, whether or not I'm talented, I don't know. But I've managed to work for 42 years at a level that, you know, from Halloween to Black Panther, we'll leave Turkey Ball out. Um, <laughs> no, actually, Turkey Ball might well be funny. I, I was <laughs> yeah, we're still, waiting to, we're still waiting to see that. But got, here's uh, what I would say. I grew up on a farm. I didn't have a bathroom until I was 10. I know how to milk cows and, and can pickles and all this stuff. I moved to L.A., and here I am. I moved back to Oklahoma because I got tired of how crowded L.A. was. But the point being that if you live in Oklahoma, there is absolutely no reason that you cannot succeed. Don't use Oklahoma or Arkansas or wherever as an excuse. If you want to work hard enough and do it, then there's I'm proof. You can go from no bathroom to Black Panther, mm-hmm. you know, and – it takes hard work. I mean, you guys know this. We're sitting here. We're all guys that have worked 15, 16, 17 hours yeah. on the set. Try not to. Yeah. But, and, and you don't have to as much as you progress in your career. But I would say the big thing about the film business is don't be a dick. And also, you have to want to work hard. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a stunning-looking human and can get by on your looks and acting. Yeah. You have to work hard. You read stories. Yeah, so directors. Nick, your work is cut out for you, man. I know. <laughs> but even <laughs> just even, a bummer. <laughs> even screenwriters. Mm-hmm. Very few screenwriters sell their first script. Yeah. Uh, very true. And a lot of them have stacks three feet high in their closet. Mm-hmm. And if they get big enough, they can pull a couple of those out and sell them. But yeah. generally they're all shitty. But you learn. You know, I look at movies that I lit, and I go, oh, God, I would never do that now. Mm-hmm. But I did then, and it looked fine then. So I would say you have to persevere. You may not be able to stay in Oklahoma to achieve your dream, unfortunately, because we don't get as much work as we need to sustain yeah. a thriving film community of any scale. We can crew up one movie, yeah, maybe two. Maybe two. Mm-hmm. Maybe two. And then we have to bring people in. But don't give it up. Don't let people tell you you can't do it because you can. I I knew one person when I moved to Los Angeles. So 
it it can be done. And when I hear people use Oklahoma or small town or no film degree as an excuse, I just go, well, then I don't say this, but what it means is they're not going to make it. Right. They're just not going to make it. The people that want to make it, people like James Ray, mm-hmm. who moved to, you know, to L.A., Jacob Keene, uh, he'll move to Atlanta as soon as he's out, you know. Bastard. Uh, yeah. And I go, well, great. Yeah. Thanks. I'm hanging on for as long as I possibly can. Yeah, as long as you got the show. As long as we have this. If yeah. this could just keep With, going in the momentum it, was the it is. the L.A. show show. Yeah. Yeah. Now. You'd, you'd be in season 10 and still yeah. working yeah. for free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody Here we are it. at episode 495. In, and, in uh, this back alley. I got my mom on the show again for the 400th <laughs> time. My mom saw my movie finally. Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing my mom, I think thought I dealt drugs when I moved to LA. Because, oh really? Well, because I would tell her I was working on these movies and they would never play in Shawnee. Yeah. And, um, and finally Halloween is a big hit. Yeah. I'd worked on some movies before that. That wasn't my first. And I call her up and I said, well, I think this movie's coming. She goes, well, I'll go see it. I said, well, it might not be your your kind of movie, but she goes, okay. And then she calls me up sometime later and she goes, well, I went to see Halloween and I sat in the lobby knitting and had the usher come get me when the credits rolled. I saw your name. (laughs) That's great. See, that is, that's a mom's love, man. That's an Oklahoma mom right there. That's a mom's love. It's, oh man. And then about a year later, she called me up pissed off. Because she and her church group went to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I said, Mom, why the f*** would you go see that? And she goes, we thought it was a sun classic about the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. You know, some classics used to do those, those you were there movies. Right. Yeah. Yeah, actors yeah. about things. Oh. They, th- they thought. Were you on Raiders? No, no, no. Hmm. No, they just thought it was about the Ark of the Covenant. Right. They wanted to see a religious movie. Wait, oh, what is this crap? No, they was that. Who's this Harry Ford guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good looking man. Get him out of here. Well, uh, we have enough time to play this one game. And we have, so you worked on Back to the Future. I did. And uh, I thought it'd be fun if we read a scene from the original script of Back to the Future. I don't think this is actually in the first movie. But uh, you want to be Professor Brown or Marty? Which would you prefer for me to play? Should you I should play? be Professor Brown. Okay, yeah, I'm going to play Professor Brown. You you look a little bit like Doc Brown. Yeah, you your hair out. <laughs> Marty. <laughs> okay, so uh, this scene is this is right before they um, they basically right before Doc Brown like introduces the DeLorean and all that kind of stuff. This is okay. before it was even a DeLorean. Uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to read it straight, mm-hmm. and then you're going to pick a genre for us to reread it as. Okay. And then we're going to reread it with that genre in mind. Okay. And then we'll we'll reread it with one more genre that I, got, I have in mind. Because, I got my yeah. hat backwards. I'm in character. I'm ready. Okay. So uh, to set it up, Marty is on his way out. He pauses at a door with five locks on it and tries it. Of course, it doesn't open. You won't give up, will you? Marty, <laughs> forgot your name for a second. Who are you? I'm old. <laughs> Professor Brown asks without turning around. Marty grins. One of these days, you're going to leave this door open, and I'll find out what's in there. Did you ever consider that some doors are locked for a reason? Nope. The way I figure it, doors are made to be opened. See you after school. Oh, Marty, what time did you say it was? 8.30. A.M. or P.M.? Pro, the sun's out. 
Oh, right, right. Jeez, for a guy with a ton of clocks, you sure don't pay attention to time. On the contrary, I may not pay much attention to the measurements of time, but I'm very aware of time itself. I believe time to be <laughs> its own dimension to be contained, to be controlled. Catch you later. To be traveled through. Seen. <laughs> Marty? Marty! Apparently my name's Murcher. Marty! For the first one. Okay, so... <laughs> well, off to a great start. Yeah, uh, yeah so that's that? straight. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Uh, so this is... I it's, get a lot of these... The it's not in the movie. It's actually... Uh, so this is an old version of the movie from... If you go to simplyscripts.com, you mm-hmm. can find, like, old versions. Old versions of Yeah. Because so, the original ending of that movie... Mm-hmm. Is it, it... Tell me if this is in that script. Was mm-hmm. They take the DeLorean, or the car... I don't even know if it's a DeLorean then, but they took it back out to the desert in Nevada, and we were going to build a town and blow it up, and they were going to ride the shockwave of a nuclear blast out in the Nevada test grounds. <laughs> I have to go future. through that script and read that again. There, there are mentions of it on the DVD. We didn't shoot it. Mm-hmm. They budgeted it out, and Universal said, shoot it on the back lot. Which is what oh, we yeah. did. Mm. Okay, so uh, last one, and this is just, we have to do it this way okay. when we're doing genres like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, let's do that as a porno. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This was Don't give idea. up, William Marty. One of these days, you're going to leave this door open, and I'll find out what's in there. Wait a second. I'm going to, uh, uh, we're going to take this back and we have Slight. to have, we have to have music for this hold for sound yeah we're gonna hold for uh, the proper music so let's see here hopefully <laughs> my search history uh is in your porno search history <laughs> well it's just like i'm, I'm typing <laughs> in porno music <laughs> into my phone the of first like, window that, here i don't know how i got this <laughs> yeah This might have worked for the 70s this is on one, youtube too. porno sonic unreleased 70s porno music okay here okay here we go mm-hmm. <laughs> Won't give up, William Marty. One of these days, big man, you're going to leave this door open, and I'll find out what's in there. Did you ever consider that some doors are locked for a reason? Nope. The way I figure it, doors are made to be opened. See you after school. <laughs> oh, Marty, what time did you say it was? Sex o'clock. A.M. or penis M. <laughs> Pro, the buns are out. <laughs> oh, you're damn right it is. Jeez, for a guy with a big old clock, <laughs> you sure don't pay attention to time. Oh, on the contrary, I may not pay much attention to the measurement of time because there's not a ruler long enough for it, but I'm very aware of time itself. You see, I believe to time. I believe time uh, to be its uh, own dimension, uh, to be contained, later. to be controlled, to be traveled through. And see, fantastic! Thank you. Uh, we could have combined those. Yeah, we totally uh, could have. Yeah, I was just like, I'm, I'm going to make an artistic decision halfway through. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, uh, it's always watching fun. us be silly. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> thanks for enduring that with us. <laughs> uh, it's always so much fun to have somebody, you know, that's been in the industry for a really, really long time to, to come in and just nice open a window. <laughs> Very strategic way. Right. We just like you to be our little time capsule and, uh, and also just our words of wisdom into, you know, into the future and that kind of thing. So back to the future, back, back to the future. Mm-hmm. So, but this was fun and go see movies guys. Absolutely. Listen to this. Go Not see on movies. Netflix. Go see them in a theater. Mm-hmm. Yep. Get out Absolutely. of your houses. Turn up the sound. And if you like what you heard today and you'd like to see and hear more, go to patreon.com slash show show and then visit us online with all of our different social medias at show show. Or you know what? Just check out the whole darn website at okishowshow.com. And that's pretty much it. We'll see you guys in the next two weeks. Bye.